0: Aloha. Aloha, Buenos dias. Yes. I thought it was Afrikaans. <laughs> okay, before I get started, you know, I just I just need to apologize for my. Uh, it's not even English. It's uh, American, and um, and so you, you just don't know what's going to come out. So um, I kind of grew up in the hood. Some of you don't know what that is. That's not. not that's not under a car. That's. Some people said a hood. Anyways, um, I do want to just take a moment and say, and I'm, I'm sincere with my words, how much I do appreciate as well the moments I've had with your pastor, Pastor John and his lovely wife, Mandrea, have gotten to meet the family, and uh, what an amazing family. I can see why you're all here. The love that just exudes from them and embraces all of us that walk into this atmosphere. You know, the Bible says that the anointing flows from the head down, and you can see what is going on in this atmosphere. Every aspect of it, you can feel the welcome of the Lord um, in this place. So, you know, you guys kind of make me nervous. But anyways, uh, because it's so awesome. It's just like, let's just do this. Amen. So thank you for welcoming me. But I'm just kind of clear the air here. Um, You know, I'm not Hawaiian. I am a transplant. (laughs) You know, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing in favor with the Lord. So I went after her, and she happened to live in Hawaii. Come on, somebody. Help me out here. <laughs> hey. Hey. You have no idea. Anyways, and, uh, and her name is Kuna, but it's Kakuna Okala. Uh, it's the flower that rises after the sun comes out, and people are eating pineapple on the street and whatever, and getting sand in the... Something like that. Anyways, it's just a long... difference. It's Kuna now, all right? And, uh, and so thank you for... Um, making me feel welcome. I just trust that here today, I know this is, uh, this time, it's great to come together, be great people, great families, be under this, the covering, the pastorship, and I know this is important for you as it is for me, so let's endeavor to deliver the word and trust God will speak to you and uh, minister to all of us. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word says, that he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Only you know the hearts, the territories, Father God, and the situations that every person has been through. And yet, Father, every day we look to you, you have an answer. Here today we ask you would speak to us, make your word real to us. And we just give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Many of you might be familiar with this song. You know the band called One Republic. The singer-songwriter of this song, this came out, came out a couple of years ago. It's a little older. But what I wanted you to understand is, is he's talking about his testimony. He's talking about his story. That song is not written to a girl. It's written to his God. See, Ryan Tedler grew up in a Christian home. And uh, he was a Christian. He is a Christian. And um, he went to O. Roberts University and graduated there. His parents were missionaries and, and pastors. And so he had that. He got into a field that he was very talented in. Apparently, God given them that gift. And he has, he has rocked the world with the, the greatest people that you could imagine right now. Name them. He's been and has written songs for them. But this is his story about how he walked away from God after being a Christian for so many years. And he's talking about his comeback. He talks about how he tried to put things to replace him. And he couldn't feel. He got to the point of being numb in his life. He talks about his walk. His feet were numb. He's talking about his walk with God. He's talking about how his heart was pumping, but it wasn't working because it was numb. He lost sensitivity, and he tried to do other things. But then his terminology, singing to a secular audience, he's talking about he can feel again. You know, sometimes we get in this position in life, and we see people who are numb. That's Ryan Tedler's story, and he unveils now. He's talking about how we can see again and how we can feel again. You know, earlier I shared that, you know, as Ryan Tedler here in the song, So You Have a Story. And I don't know everybody by name. And, you know, maybe one of these days we'll get, uh, you know, sit down together, have a little cappuccino, and I'll let you pay. But at the point I'm trying to share with you is simply this. Is that everybody has a story. And you need to understand that your story is important to God, number two. Number three, you need to so... No, this is what I do know. Not every story that everybody has is a story that everybody wants. And then the fourth thing and the greatest thing is that Jesus is a story changer. And here today, you know, I have come across in my years of being a pastor there in Hawaii and had the opportunity to come to beautiful nations such as South Africa. And I'm very privileged and honored to be here. And I don't just say that. I really genuinely mean that. And, And I have come across people who... You see them living a numb life in one way or another. You know, they've lost their sensitivity uh, because of situations. Because in life, as you know, I don't have to tell you. I'm like preaching to the choir. And that is that in life, stuff happens. Stuff you never signed up for, never wanted to see happen in your life, never expected it. And I want you to realize, and sometimes we can end up living numb. For the word numb, I do an acrostic on little words, and this is one. M-U-N-B, this my Latino can spell. Anyways, um, and for the letter N, it would be, you know, you're numb because you, you've got negative. You had negative input, and it affected your heart. You never resolved it. You used to be most positive. You maybe now you're negative and down. You used to be positive and up. And for the letter U, I'd say the word would be uninspired. I see so many people so young in their life, so uninspired to do anything about life. You know, and yet there was a time, a day, where they dreamed the dream. They lived, you know, with aspirations. And they believed that they can conquer the world and make a difference. And yet so young in their lives, they've given up. Now they live uninspired because of something that happened that never got resolved. And then for M, it would be sometimes, you know, they end up being, M would be maybe mediocre. Because now they're living mediocre because of things that they never thought would happen, surprised them in life, damaged them, and again, they didn't recover. And uh, and now there they are, living a mediocre life. And then for B, it would be, you know, sometimes things happen when people break your heart, so it would be brokenhearted. And this is just a quick summary uh, of things that I've seen, but, you know, so many people, we have relationships, they break apart. Marriages, things happen. Families, things happen. In business, and the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes, because of all of that, and then we don't resolve these issues, we don't know how to handle the pressure of The pressure point at that time we end up becoming numb you know we we downsize our dream you know we reduce it down to not what it was supposed to be that god spoke to us but what we think we can now handle and uh, we end up living more comfortable and content and convenient lives instead of that adventurous life and so today i want to talk to you about something that's very important you know i have a good friend of mine Hey, your name is Charles Neiman there in El Paso, Texas. Not that you know where that is. I don't know why I mentioned that. But anyways, and um, he once was, we were sitting down having a little, um, you know, uh, story time. And uh, just talking, sharing. And he shared something. I had to write it down. I still have the original paper right here. And he said, you know, he says, Art, you know, when the fire comes through your life and, and you get burnt by that fire, remember this. God can still raise up your life out of the ashes, and, uh, and I began to think about that. And I want to share it with you before I move on. That, you know, when life sometimes has you positioned. You never signed up for it, but there you are, sitting you know, in the middle of the heap of ashes. And you don't even know how you got there. Maybe you've gotten burnt in a relationship. You got burnt in a situation. Promises that were made that were never kept. Maybe you were betrayed or you were rejected. Or you know something happened to you. And there you are, you know with lost expectations and maybe, you know, sometimes you get to these places in life and we don't know what they are when life just doesn't seem to make sense, you know, and your soul is spinning around and, you know, it can't find true north and your sense gauge, your emotions are just going out of control. Yet in those moments, I want to remind you before I get started that God can still raise you up out of the ashy. And the reason I know that is because of what the Bible says, and we're going to cleave to the word this morning. Because in Psalm 61, uh, yeah, Isaiah 61, sorry, it's, God says that he will give us, he will give us, say he will give me. Okay, so you're not that good. Okay, well, you, know, fine. you know, okay, you'll take up my time if you talk anyway. Anyways, you, you know, he'll give, he'll give you beauty for ashes and oil for your uh, mourning. And he'll give you the garment of praise. Come on, somebody. And I want you to know that today I want to talk to you about situations that some of you might be in. If you clap, you take up my time. Listen, I just want you to understand something. We're here to help you. Amen. So you're just going to have to listen to this little Latino right now because I just had my frijoles. Anyways, um, we're going to be studying out of 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 6. It's about as far as I'm going to go. You can camp out there or you can just listen to me take notes. If you want to write in your neighbor's arm, I always like saying that, you know. Go ahead and do it. Anyways, um, and so it begins in verse 1. It says, now it happened. Mm, I like that. Mm. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag. And attacked Ziklag. And burned Ziklag with fire. Verse 2. And had taken captive the women and those Who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone. But they carried them away. And they went their way. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city. And there it was. Ziklag. Burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters. Had been taken captive. I love the way this verse starts. So real to you and I. Now it happened. Now it happened. What happened? Ziklag happened. I want to talk to you for a moment about this setting and how it fits in the context of your life. And I can guarantee you by the Holy Ghost you'll see it. You see, the year of, at this writing is 1012 BC. David at this point of writing first, is 29 years old. By that age he had lived a life of an amazing adventure. You know, yet if you take it back at the age of 16 or so, 17, 13 years earlier, he was a teenage boy. The prophet Samuel came by and anointed him in his home of Bethlehem and said, you are going to be the future king. A promise was given to him. A few months later, this young man was thrust into sudden fame when he killed Goliath, the champion of the Philistines from the Valley of Elah. There he was, suddenly thrust into this position. And after David had left the sheepfold of his father, he became a member of the royal household serving under King Saul. Saul made him the commander of the armies. And he just brought victories after triumph, after victory. And David led the armies of Israel. And this daring young warrior became a national hero. Man, they even had him playing on the radio. They had a song called, well, one of the lines I remember is, you know, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. It was incredible. It was on the billboards. It was all that in a bag of chips. Anyways, King Saul became jealous of David's tremendous success. Of course, you never had anybody get jealous about you. Well, let's just keep on moving on. You know, he got jealous of his success, his popularity and that U C D CD that, was, that got loose and just made it to the top of the charts. And uh, and David was forced to leave King Saul's royal household. All of a sudden here this guy is just trying to do the will of God. He's anointed. He's called. And now he's rejected. And um, he's uh, he's called everything but righteous, everything but godly. And he's having to uh, he's an outcast. He's betrayed. He's accused of things that never happened. Now it happened. Sometimes in our lives things happen. We don't even know what we got. We don't even know how this has happened. We begin to question everything about our lives. Moving on. Now it's 12, 13 years later. And the promise that was given by the prophet Samuel. The promise that he would be king has not come to pass. In fact, if you trace it back, he went after, you know, he was going forward and he faced obstacle after obstacle. But David didn't just sit around. David was moving in the will of God as best as he knew what to do. So up to this point, David was roaming the hillsides of Judea with the mercenary band of 600 men. He personally raised up these guys, you know, in in, in the Cape of Abdullam. He fought the Philistines, expanded, secured the borders of Israel. He was doing the will of God. I mean, he was on it like white on rice and ugly on a baboon. See... And David waited for the fulfillment of Samuel's prophecy, just like some of you are waiting for a promise. And now you're in that stage of wondering if it's ever going to come to pass. I'm here to tell you Jesus is faithful. Anyways, here David was, and he, and he was waiting, and he was waiting. And David and his men made the city of Ziklag, the southern border of Judea, their home. They were going to be there After this point. They were only up there for about a year and four months. And uh, so Ziklag was not a permanent place. It was a temporary place. You have to take note of that. I want to share with you about Ziklag because you need to understand. Ziklag was not Bethlehem where he got anointed. And Ziklag was not Jerusalem where he would finally be king. It was somewhere in between. Now I want you to hear what I have to say because, see, you need to learn something about this place called Ziklag because you may be in one right now. Ziklag, by, by definition, simply means to despise. It's an attitude that the adversary has against God's people. And um, you need to understand that. And some of you might be facing the Ziklag right now. So, see, we all spend some time if we have a purpose, a promise, a destiny, and a dream to fulfill. And we all do. We have to learn to not only identify it, but how to process through it victoriously. See, it's not where we come from. I'm talking about Ziklag. And it's not where we're going. It just happens to be a season of temporary state. And see, God is a God who changes the times and the season, Daniel said. But Ziklag is a place of patient waiting, located somewhere between prophecy and destiny. You see, between Bethlehem beginning, where he got that anointing oil, and Jerusalem destiny, where it finally be crowned, you know, he had to overcome that Ziklag trial somewhere in between. I hope you listen to what I'm saying. Because, you see, Bethlehem is where you first begin to sense that prophetical move on God maybe your pastor spoke to you God spoke to you in some way you just kind of sense that God is going to do something and you're not there so you're just thinking it's going to happen any moment and uh, Jerusalem is that place of destiny where the purposes of God will be fulfilled for your life so this is what most people don't learn how to transition no, I'm talking to husbands and wives, and I'm talking to single people who have dreams and know they can shake the world. You should think that way. I'm talking to families. I'm talking to children. I'm talking to business leaders. I'm talking to every person, every category of life. God has not excluded you. But you've got to learn about zigzag, because in the place of zigzag is some temptation that if you don't handle your decisions and make the wrong choices, you'll never get to the place that God designed for you. And it's not because God didn't want you, so I'm going to help you. Or I say, he's going to help us. So Ziklag is a place of decision. See, it's, it's a place of decision where under temptation you have to make the right decision. Not a hasty or reactive decision. See, it's a place where you're tempted to quit. Yet you have to make the decision to go forward anyway. It may be a place for you where you just feel like running away from everything and anything. Yet you have to decide to stay committed. It's a place where you're tempted to compromise, and compromise is accepting what you don't believe because you refuse to fight for what you do believe in. And yet you're there, you're tempted, but you make a decision to stay with conviction. See, it's in that area called Ziklag, where you, you feel like you want to take matters into your own hands. Because God is not moving fast enough. Just talk to Sarah about that. And, I mean, uh, Abraham about that. And so, you know, I just want you to realize. But you, you, you realize, wait a minute. Vengeance is the Lord. See, your zigzag is a place where things don't seem to make any sense whatsoever. And you're tempted to make decisions. But they're critical because it could be a defining moment for your life. See, it's a place... Where you're feeling bitter and you're tempted just to stay there, but you also can make a decision to get better. See, it's a place, Ziklag is, where either you will break down or you will break through. And I want you to realize that here today, it's a place where many people never process through and they end up settling and living numb. And I want you to know that today, God doesn't want us living negative, uninspired, mediocre, or broken hearted. God is a healer. He is a restorer, and I don't care what kind of tragedy you've been through. I tell people all the time, never let your tragedy rewrite, you know, your theology. God is victorious. He has a plan for you. He has a victory plan for you, and all you got to do is set your eyes on him because today is your day where the master is going to speak to you. Amen? Somewhere between Bethlehem beginning and Jerusalem, you know, destiny, there is a ziklag, but what you have to understand that ziklag is also it's the testing ground for future kings. And I believe we have some future kings in this house. Amen. Between prophecy and destiny, there's always a zigzag. God doesn't put you in it, but the adversary who's against you will cause circumstances and God will get you through it. Bible says, blessed is the man that passes through the valley of Baca and maketh it a well. The valley of Baca, word Baca means trouble, tribulation, crying, and weeping. But the word says, blessed is the man who passes through, doesn't try to go out and get a permit and live in it. You know, I just want you to understand he passes through the Valley of Baca. Some of you are going to go through. You got to realize, drop your permit, burn it up because we got places to go, people to see and things to do for the kingdom of God. Anyways, um, zigzag may seem like the worst day and it often is emotionally. It can be the worst day of your life. When you encounter it, but you, if you walk by faith, Ziklag becomes that crucible where fiery, refined faith just rises up on the inside of you. It's in that place where you find God and you settle some things about God, your conviction, your walk, and your circumstances. It's in that place. No one can take that place for you where character is formed. And you rid yourself of compromise. It's where you settle things about convictions. It's where like what Jesus was said about Jesus, He set his face like flint. Even though they were persecuting him. It's in that place where kings are made. I want you to know that between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Some of us have to go through. A Ziklag, but there is a victorious plan that God has for you. Remember, he didn't set you up in it, but he's certainly going to get you out of it. Come on, somebody. So, but this is what I want you to hear about this entire thing. David could have compromised. David could have melted. David could have broken down. I'll give you some reasons why. But he processed through Ziklag. And the thing is this, he didn't know what was on the other side of that test. Seven days after he passed that test, he was crowned king of Israel just seven days some of you are closer than you realize to the breakthrough that you've had doubts and questions about but i'm here to tell you today maybe i'm coming you know 30 hours away from where i live just a message to you because god didn't want to tweet it and you not want to put it on facebook he said instagram ain't good enough i'm gonna to have to send my servant so i'm a humble little latino mexican boy coming to you in the flesh come on somebody <laughs> Woo! everyone say jesus is lord all right. anyways I'm sorry I get excited you know I miss my pineapples anyways uh I, you know maybe maybe right now you say you're not very funny pastor I've just had the worst failure I've just had the worst you know defeat let me tell you something that I'm trying to get across to you your failure is not final your faith is not fetal because your God with your life is not finished ha amen and so this is what I want you to realize but he said, Lord it's taking too long also remember you know delay is not God's denial darkness is not defeat and your difficulty is not your destiny God has something to say to you today are you ready all right so let me take you through a few steps here after still in the same chapter just following verse by verse of how David processed through you got to learn to process through everybody wants to have instant victorious Christianity I mean, we all do. I just wish it worked that way. Anyways, so here you're having this day, and this thing happens. And everything in his life, he comes back, he's doing the will of God. He's anointed by a prophet. He's doing everything he knows to do right. And suddenly everything goes wrong. Everything, he loses. Everything, possessions and family and all of a sudden, the turmoil of the worst degree begins to happen. And you have to understand, the first thing he does is the first thing, is what you get to do. It's what David did. David wept. Well, that's exciting, right? Listen, see, you know, the first thing, you know, sometimes people say, well, the first thing you can do is you raise your hands and start praising the Lord. You know, praise God if you can do that. Hallelujah, blessed child. Anyways, but sometimes things really hurt in our lives. Rejection and abandonment and abuse and all these things—those are hurtful things—and and we have these things called emotions, and and they're real. God doesn't want you to bury them, or you're going to have an implosion, if not an explosion. See, but it says here in verse four: Then David and the people who were with him, referring to his mighty men, lifted up their voices and they wept until David had. No more power to weep. I'm talking about some deep stuff. I'm talking some crocodile tears. I'm talking about things that you never even seen. I mean you're looking. Like, you know I'm talking about. We're talking about some serious stuff here. Weeping was, is not weakness. See in the end, they got the victory. But in the beginning, they got to weep. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, life just pains you. You know? And uh, you have to understand that's not your destiny. And God doesn't want you to settle. See, Paul wept, Peter wept, John wept, Jeremiah wept, even Jesus wept. But you need to understand that there is a time for weeping. But there's a time you got to get up from your weep and start walking forward. Because the Bible says in Psalms 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. How? Jesus, help us all. Amen. Well, now we're all going to move to Hawaii. Listen, I want you to understand something. If you don't, if you don't stop weeping, your temptation is to go into self-pity. you know self-pity and then you're going to go from self-pity into this this uh, victim mentality you have to realize self-pity is a spirit and an attitude that will dominate and control your faith you know self-pity is a spirit you know that wants you to identify with it and he wants you to change everything about your identity so you would become this victimized individual who cannot possibly live life because of the horrific circumstances. I'm here to tell you there is a king by the name of Jesus who rose on the third day by the blood of Jesus to give you power beyond your imagination. Jesus is the story changer. Amen? So I want you to understand something. You know that we all kind of face those things. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a a husband or wife whether you have a business whether you have a dream we're going to get you through the second thing that David did not do is David advises us to not get bitter look at your neighbor and say let's not get bitter let's get better do you ever talk to anybody anyways here we go first Samuel chapter 30 verse 6 now David was greatly distressed for all the people spoke of stoning him now ladies and gentlemen you just got to understand something David raised these guys up they were like hey. you know they were like really big eyes you know they kind of, anyways, they were big, anyways, and and, uh, and they were professional stone throwers. I mean, they were really good. They belonged part of the stone throwing union. They wouldn't miss their mark. They knew how to crush heads and crush bodies. They were, like, hey. anyways, it was a. And David, I can imagine all of a sudden they all come to him and say, "We will take you out. We're not liking this at all. It's your fault. He is the leader. Is David? You said you were anointed." You said you got oil splashed all over you. You said you got a word. You were leading this. And all of this loss is your fault. Well, welcome to leadership. But I want you to understand something. See, tragedy happened to David too. He was hurting as much as they were, you know. And he lost his possessions, his place of dwelling. He lost, you know, his goods, his family. Because of terrorists that came in. And yet he's not only have to deal with them, now he has to deal with himself. And so you can imagine the intensity. Now his 600 men wanted to kill him. What a great day for him. Anyways, you know, continue on in in verse 6. It says, because all the soul of the people, the mighty men, grieved, and that means bitter, and every man for his sons and daughters. David had transformed these guys. David had shaped them. They came to him in debt, distress, and discontent. In the cave of Abdul, he breathed inspiration. He breathed a champion spirit. He breathed you can do this. He's talked to them. He repaired their marriages. You know, helped them with their finances. Helped them with their addiction. Brought them out. Got them to believing in a dream that was bigger than anything on this earth. And now, this is the gratitude they have? This is how they treat the leader? Something goes wrong and you want to take him out? Well, that's how crazy bitterness can get. Some of you know somebody who's been that crazy ha all right check myself bitterness will cause you trouble in your health if you're bitter right now it is eating away at you worse than cancer you know it will trouble your mind your emotions your relationships it will tear apart your destiny and destroy your purpose it will ruin your finances hinder your career it will stop things that you thought were unstoppable because you don't go forward on talent you go forward by faith in the grace of god but bitterness begins with a seed a seed of offense you know and this is what's happening with the men they're offended that their leader made a decision that now has affected their lives boy they like believe god for 30 seconds you know, and you have to realize this is what's going on. Remember the story where Moses went to the pool of Marah? And they went there, and this is after the, um, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, traveled three days with no water at all. They finally got to this pool of Marah. Marah means bitter. And when they, they found out it was bitter, they began to murmur and complain because Marah is a type and shadow of the condition of the heart of the children of Israel. And so the solution, Moses said, God, they're going, uh, they're going crazy on me. And, um, and so God gave him a plan, Exodus 15, 25. And so he cried out to the Lord. This is Moses. And the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast the tree into the waters, the waters became sweet. What's the tree represented in our lives in this covenant that will always make your life sweet? The tree of Calvary. And I want you to realize, you don't have to live bitter. You can actually get better when you get your eyes back on the cross. And here today, that's the second thing. The third thing, this is a good one. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Watching my time and watching you. Anyways, the third thing is that David did. You find it in verse 6. It says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, I'm sharing things with you, but I want you to realize, David had 600 mighty men and they wanted to kill him and he now he had a choice he's in Ziklag. I mean he is literally in Ziklag. you might be in Ziklag symbolically right now facing a decision do I stay or do I run you know do I give in or do I stand up and David had to make a decision this is defining David this is defining David character is being shaped and all kinds of things are working god didn't cause it but god's going to get him out of it but i want you to understand david could allow grief and bitterness to conquer him or he can conquer grief and bitterness but how did he do it see david could have sunk into a black hole of depression and just cut out of there you know he had the fastest pony anyway anyways or david could have you know given up said, i quit you'll treat me like that i'm out of here like white on rice i'm gone don't be messing with me like that. How dare you talk to me like that? After all, I'm done with you. <laughs> then they go like, uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, my hood's coming out. <laughs> Anyways, the, I'm not talking about a hoodie. Someone's like, hoodie? Did he grow hoodie? No, not a hoodie. Oh, stop it. Anyways, so, so David had to fight back. But how do you fight the good fight of faith, ladies and gentlemen? You have to learn that in your zigzag. And so before, you know, David could fight, David would have to get his strength and his courage back. Some of you maybe be in this room. You lost your strength. You lost your courage. You lost your conviction. You lost your confidence. And you remember the day you used to have it. God is here to give it back to you. And I'm not saying uh, that I'm not making light of whatever tragedy you've gone through. Don't let that tragedy be greater than the God that you serve. I want you to understand that. So here David is. You know, he's losing, he's hurting, he's crying, you know, and this is what's going on. And so David looked around, and David had no one to encourage him. They wanted to kill him, I'm gonna take you out, he said. You know, so, they, so he encouraged himself, and the Lord has gone. See, I want you to realize he was tempted to lose his joy. Everything around him was evidence of why he could buy into not being joyful anymore. And so, David did something that outstanding wisdom, and I hope you and I really apply this to our lives. And the fourth step is this. David says, I need to get a word from God. You know, I know what the Bible says. Well, he doesn't call it that way. He says, I know what my God has said, but I've got to have him speak into the core of my heart. You know, there's a difference between the logo and the rhema of God, wherein the Holy Ghost breathes on a word that it just so ignites you. It doesn't make a difference what other people think. It doesn't make a difference how they're labeling you. It doesn't make a difference what your weaknesses are. You know your God is for you and not against you, and you're going to go forward because the king said so. So here David is. Listen to this. This is what you're going to have to do. And David, this is uh, verse 7 now and 8. And so David said to abathar the priest ahimelech's son please bring me the ephod here to me and abathar brought the ephod you know I'll explain that what that is in a second and david inquired of the lord saying shall i pursue this troop shall i overtake them see you need to get a word i like to say it this way that flashes like lightning and rose like thunder you know and um, see david asked for the priest to come the priest that would worship unto the lord kind of be like the intercessor for the leader. And David said, I don't need you stepping in right now. I'm gonna to have to do this on my own. And so he asked for the ephod. And David understood that he was like, well, he didn't understand this, but I'm sharing with you that he's like a you covenant believer. You know, the Bible says in Christ Jesus, through his blood, by the redemption that he gave us, that we are kings and priests in Christ Jesus. And, and I'm talking about here, you know, having that kingly authority, yes, and being a warrior, yes, and having a sword and going to battle, yes, but before you do that, you've got to have strength and you've got to have courage. And many people don't resolve their issues, never get restored, never get over it. They always carry it for the rest of their life. All they ever do, every time they open their lips because they think they can get free lip service to anybody who walks by them, is they, they nurse it and they rehearse it. All they do is, I don't hurt it. and I'm never going to trust another relationship, I don't like Man anymore. Those men, they got demons. Anyways, they go off, you know, because you got hurt because he didn't show up at the first date. Anyways, what I'm trying to share with you is David is the type in shadow. Just gives a, hey, thank you, Jesus. But I want you to understand, there are things you have to win privately if you're ever going to have your victories publicly. The way I like saying it is public triumphs are always preceded by private victories. David knew that. He didn't say that, but he knew that. So he said, he said, in the middle of the ash heap. In the middle of Ziklag, he says, Bimelech, bring me the ephod, which all I can do is explain that it's just like a big cloth. Embroidered, anointed, very special, but yeah, I just simplified that, didn't I? Anyways, um, so he said, bring me the ephod. In the minute, you got to understand, this is the picture. You know, I think in pictures. And, and he's standing here, probably in the pa- place where his, you know, luxurious tent used to be as the commander-in-chief but there's nothing there but ashes on this side and all around him you have men that are promising and he knows he can carry out the promise They're gonna stone him and it's gonna happen any minute now and he has some decisions to make He's in zigzag. You ain't feeling what I'm saying. I know it, but just keep listening. You're going to get this. And all of a sudden, he says, bring me the ephod. So bring him the ephod. know, and Abimelech, and probably David said, where were you? Well, I was hiding because if rocks were going to start flying, I didn't want to be around. I just, I'm going watch your back, but I was going to watch your back from back there. Anyways, so David takes the ephod, falls on his knees possibly, and he's sitting he's looking down and around and he sees the smoldering, you know, remains of what used to be victory, passion, everything that rep prosperity, blessing, you know, God's favor. And he gets ephod and the men are screaming, cry, kill him, kill him. David's hearing all this. He's not in denial. He gets this Ephod. Kill old Ephod. And he gets it. Wraps around him. Over his head like that. Probably does something like this. And here he is. In Ziklag. Now listen to this. He sees the black ash. He hears. The threats against his life. His heart. Bleeding with pain. His eyes have probably run out of his tear ducts. They probably dried up. Because he is grieving and he is hurting. With the kind kind of hurt that you probably couldn't imagine. And then on the inside, like you. He probably had the adversary with imagination saying, where's your God now? Mr. Anointed. Where's your God now, Mr. Champion I told you I'd get you. I told you you're going to come down. Now I got you. This is it, son. Your life is about ready to leave. You know, and he's got all that. He's probably questioning, God, where are you? And there's no, you know, no lightning's coming. No, you know, no, the troops aren't coming in. And all of a sudden, there he, he was the troops, you know. And then he gets his ephah, and there he is. Now, the Bible doesn't really say, but the book of Psalms says a lot of what David did in the secret place. Psalms 91, he who dwells in the secret place, maybe that's what he said. It's not that the men couldn't hear him, he didn't care. See, you've got to stop caring about what other people think about your devotion to God. And he was in that secret place. You know those rocks going to penetrate that ephod. It wasn't titanium ephod just want you to know that anyways there he was and he was in that and maybe he began to say lord or maybe from there he penned we don't know he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty and i will say the lord he is my refuge my fortress my god and him will i trust and he began to read down and read down and he says lord i i know i don't I don't feel you right now, and I'm confused, and, and, and I'm lost, and I don't know what happened. All I was trying to do is carry out your will. You know, but he didn't complain to God. He didn't argue with God. He didn't argue with anyone. You know, he probably could have taken out a few of those guys, but he would not have taken out 600. And, and he can still hear the threats and the enemies banging his mind. So he had to begin to say something. Maybe he said this. His soul, mind, will, and emotions. Desperately in confusion. I mean, desperately in confusion. And there he is. Naturally, it looks ridiculous. As my children say, ridonkulous. Anyways, it looks ridiculous. It looks like, what? What? What is prayer going to do in this time frame? But his confidence is not in his flesh or in men. It's in his God. And maybe he began to say his soul. Was, didn't want to praise God. His soul was hurting and his soul was bleeding with pain. And maybe he's sad, as it says in Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. This is under an ephod. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. He's talking to himself. I mean, everybody would say, oh yeah, oh, yeah, he's gone over the edge. He is talking to himself. All right? Okay. Anyways, there he is. Maybe he's saying bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy Spirit. bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits. Then he lists maybe five there in the Bible. He says who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases and redeems my life from destruction and crowns me with tender mercies and gives me words like a mountain with wings as eagles and all of a sudden you know, he's in that place, and he's saying these things, and much more, and maybe he's saying things, Lord, I will magnify you at all times, and this is one of those times I don't want to magnify you, this is one of the times that I don't know what's going on, you know, and that's what my feelings feel like, and I've been betrayed, and I've been abandoned, and you know, it'd be easy, God, for me to blame you, but I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, all I'm going to say is I will magnify the Lord at all times, and let his praise continually be in my mouth, and I know, I know it looks like it's impossible, but nothing, nothing is impossible for you, oh God. And maybe things like that he's saying, and then he gets to this point and he says, God, what do I do? What do I do, God? Should I pursue? What do I do? I don't know what to do. The odds are against me. What do you do when the odds are against you? Do you count yourself out before you even count God in? The odds are against you. The nation is against you. People are against you. So you count yourself odd because if we were to look at the statistics, you're just going to be another one. You're in your zigzag. You've got to make a decision. I know it's not easy, but it will get you to your destiny. And all of a sudden, he says, should I pursue? And then he hears something go off in his spirit, his heart. Flashes like lightning and rose like thunder. Kind of did something on the inside of him. Kind of rose up with that ephod. Kind of threw it back. Looked around at those that were throwing threats out of him. And he looked at those threats. You threatened me. I raised you up as a kid. You whippersnapper. How dare you talk to me like that? Whoa, David's going to come back. David, what did God say to you in the ephod? He said, he gives a strategy for us. A strategy? How could it be a strategy? We've had the worst defeat known to mankind, David. Well, my God said, and this is found in this verse, verse 8 Pursue, overtake, and recover all. God can give you a heavenly strategy. He says, I'm going to back it. I'm going to finance. I'm going to give you power to get to that place where you over cover all. See, that's why I want you to understand you don't have to live bitter. You don't have to live cynical. You don't have to live complaining. You are not a victim. You are not a statistic. You are not somebody who's thrown around by the by the planes of the devil that you have to fall prey to him. You're God. God is great your God is awesome your God loves you your God forgives you and your God has a plan for your life get excited somebody pursue overtake before I say to all of you here in this would you please stand to your feet for a moment and I'll bring pastor my pastor's probably already walking up he's probably right behind me and um, this I want to say mahalo Can you say mahalo? Mahalo. That means thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be me in your house. I really have a lot of respect, you know, for what you're doing as a nation, what you're doing as a church. Just you being here, serving these great the pastoral team as well as what I like to call as the the priesthood family, and that would be Pastor John and and Mundry and the family there. And I want you to realize that God does have a plan. And maybe some of you today just needed to hear that God has a plan. You know, I may be going through some stuff, but my God is greater than any stuff that I might be going through. And his word for you, coming out of an ephod, is pursue. You're going to get your pursuit back. You're going to start overtaking again. And you're going to recover all. I know it might look impossible, but we're not looking at the circumstances. We're not looking at Ziklay. We're looking at our king. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person here. Lord, whether they're going through a a zigzag, spirit, soul, body, financially, socially, domestically, or in ministry. I pray, Father, that your resurrection power, your grace, your mercy, God. Father, your mercies are renewed every morning. These people love you, Father. And Father, they're an expression of an incredible family. I pray that today you would just... you would just touch any that even resemble a poem minor where things look so impossible things look so difficult god of mercy god of grace show yourself strong this day in their lives bless this house bless their families And i thank you lord i thank you in the name of jesus we praise you and everyone said amen Let's give Pastor Art a hand of appreciation. God bless you, sir. I want you just to think about the fact that what was shared is a really powerful story of going from ashes to a place of victory. May God do that in your life. Thank you for being patient, for allowing us to go a few minutes over time. God bless you. You're free to go. Have a wonderful Sunday. and. Uh,